0: Boom, we're recording. What's up, guys? This is this is the first podcast I've done over the internet, and I've got a f- cool guest, uh, Dan Vinberg from the... Is it Vinberg? Sorry, I always mispronounce people's names. Vinberg. Uh, Vinberg. Yeah. Uh, I've had uh, that so my... many times, man. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, why don't you tell us what you do? You're a YouTuber.
1: Yeah, that's right. I run a little YouTube channel called The New Travel. Uh, I've been doing it about four years now, and... As the name suggests, I mostly make travel videos. I've uh, been living a while in Mexico, been traveling all over the place. And yeah, that's kind of the short version of it.
0: <laughs> that's actually how I found you. Um, I was planning a trip to Mexico this winter, and I like seeing all the budget videos to see how much somebody spends. Yep. So I saw your, the first video I saw of yours was when you were in Mexico City, which is somewhere I've always wanted to go. I actually couldn't make it this winter due to job reasons. But I'm planning this winter. I'm definitely going to go. It's a short flight from Vancouver, like 400 bucks round trip. Yeah. And usually, usually I do long-term travels. So one thing I wanted to ask you was, did you start traveling before you started making YouTube videos or did you do both simultaneously?
1: Yeah. Oh, oh I was definitely traveling before the videos. Um, you know, I, I, I noticed that you have a blog and you're a writer. I, I come from a writing background as well. Cool. So I mean I, I studied creative writing in school. Uh after after university I uh actually moved to South Korea and I worked as an English teacher. So that was my first sort of uh you know, quote unquote grown up job and uh <laughs> chance to uh explore Asia a little bit, chance to save some money, did some backpacking around Southeast Asia. And that unfortunately was all before I ever touched a, a camera and made a YouTube video. Uh, But I was writing a bit about the experiences and over time I just, I guess there were little moments that I wanted to capture that I thought just, you know, a camera could capture better than my words could ever do it. So I started, you know, taking photos, recording little videos and I don't know, I just kind of got obsessed with it, you know. You start doing something and you want the production to get better and better and better and just just kept kept with it and next thing you know, here I am.
0: Right. How did you learn how to... do all the video skills and whatnot. Did you teach yourself off of YouTube?
1: Oh, yeah. Or... I mean, that's that's the great thing about, <laughs> you know, doing a job like YouTube. There's a lot of tutorials on YouTube.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's like anything. You definitely got to put in the work. But if you're curious enough and you want to keep learning, there's always potential to learn more.
0: Right. When I did it, uh, or I started to, I went to South America. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to be a journalist. So I yeah. just started sending direct messages to different papers and a podcast, actually, I listened to. And I noticed people will reach out. If if it's not like Mel Gibson or somebody that's super famous with 5 mm-hmm. million followers, Like people yeah. will usually respond to you. So that's a cool way to meet people. And like you said, I got obsessed with writing for a bit. Um, then I was on a podcast with this journalist mm-hmm. who actually gave me advice how to get into journalism. And then a year later, when I was back in Colombia, he invited me on to his podcast. And I thought it was so fun. I was already listening to podcasts. And I went on YouTube for hours last summer, trying to find out how to buy podcast gear, how to edit (laughs) audio, how to do all this stuff. And I know what you mean when you get obsessive about these things.
1: Yeah, no, I've. uh, you probably don't know this. Very few people know this, but I actually, me and my, shout out to my buddy, Tim, uh, me and my buddy Tim started a little podcast about five years ago. It was called the parking lot podcast. We would literally sit in his truck and like he put a little GoPro on the dashboard. The audio quality was, was terrible. But you know, it was, it was, it was just a chance to, you know, just ramble about stuff, have a long form conversation. And, you know, yeah, just it's, it's always good fun. So I'm definitely a bit of a podcast fan myself.
0: That's awesome, dude. Um, Where was the first place you ever traveled to? Did you go alone or did you travel with friends?
1: Yeah, so I'm very fortunate in that my my family, you know, my dad loves to travel. My mom loves to travel. So when I was young, we would take, you know, road trips across Canada and stuff. So I I say I'm fortunate because the older I get, the more I realize that's not the norm for a lot of people, especially people from, you know, less developed countries or, you know, places where income is a bit short, it's 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 not like everyone just get, gets to take these trips whenever they want to. Uh, so, I, I mean, I was introduced to sort of, you know, the joy of like visiting new places at a, quite a young age. Uh, and then, yeah, the trip to Korea when I'm – that was my first time, you know, moving to a new country on my own. And, of course, I, I didn't speak Korean. I didn't, you know – knew very little about the culture. That was just a big leap that I was taking. And uh, since then, I've taken a few more big leaps, spent some time living in Vietnam. After that, after that, I I spent some time living in Mexico, spent some time living in Costa Rica.
0: All right. So weird interruption. We actually had a Wi-Fi error. So we're back. You were talking about how you lived in Mexico, Costa Rica, Vietnam, and how people asked you how you did that.
1: Yeah, I, I, what I was trying to say is that, you know, people will come up with any excuse under the sun not to travel. And a lot of the times, when I tell people about all these places I've traveled to, it it, sound, it seems a bit crazy looking back, even, even for me, it seems a bit crazy. But when you're living it, you just take it step by step, you know. Um, and I, I really don't think that Not knowing the language or not knowing that much about the culture is an excuse not to travel because, you know, these days with Google Translate on your phone and stuff like that, it's as long as you keep a good attitude and a smile, like you can communicate with anyone you want to communicate with. That's what I've that's what I've learned in places like, you know, small towns in the north of Vietnam where they don't speak any English and you don't speak any Vietnamese. Just stay calm, have a good attitude about it, and you'll get by.
0: Right. When I've only traveled to Colombia and Ecuador, and I did it both for like four-month trips. I just travel very slowly. But the advantage Mm -hmm. I have is that I speak Spanish fluently. So I've never had to experience that duality of having somebody in front of me who can't speak the language I speak (laughs) or English or back and forth. So that's something I really want to experience this winter.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty humbling experience. Um, especially when you get, you know, some random act of generosity from someone who you can't even communicate with through words and you, you still see that they're totally cool people, you know? Um, but I, I will add that, you know, once you speak the local language, you do grow to, um, appreciate that country even more so. So I'm definitely not saying people should ne- be lazy and never try to learn the language, uh, my experience in Mexico just expanded the more Spanish that I picked up. So learning languages is definitely a good idea too.
0: Right. I've heard people say that even if you come in with just a basic vocabulary, <clears throat> the other person may jump into English or they'll just be patient mm-hmm. with you and help you along. And then you'll keep learning that way. And like, that's probably the best way to learn a language by immersing yourself rather than being in school or doing it online.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was just checking your blog. I read uh, I read your post on being Venezuelan during the crisis right. and how, you know, your identity is, you know, as you say, you have a sort of weird identity between Canadian and Venezuelan. So I, I take it you picked up most of your Spanish at a later age?
0: I actually, I'm really lucky. I learned Spanish w- until I was like three years old. And that's when I moved okay. to Toronto and Canada. And then I actually went back to Venezuela for two years around 2000, 2000, in between 2000 and 2002. Yeah. So I actually went to elementary school there for two years. So the Spanish has been saved in my brain for so long. (laughs) And when I worked in tourism in downtown Vancouver, there's so many Mexican tourists that I got it back because I had to use it every day.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I've definitely met a lot of, yeah, I've, I've met a lot of Mexicans in Vancouver Especially down by the beach. I think Mexicans just find a way to find where the beach is. I hear yeah, a lot of they Spanish love, down they there. I love English by, Bay, dude. Yeah, English Bay.
0: <laughs> uh, did you find when you were in Mexico City, I read that a lot of um, immigrants who grew up in the U.S. this is a, a, a sad story, actually. A lot of people get deported back to Mexico even though they grew up in the U.S. Yeah. So they're living where they're originally born, but they can't speak Spanish. And that's like a, so apparently a part of Mexico city, like there's, there's some areas where you'll find a lot of people who are actually English speakers. They are Mexican, but they have this weird thing that they can't speak the language that well because they didn't grow up there in their childhood. Did you ever see anybody like that there?
1: It's really interesting that you asked that question because yes, I did. Um, I'll tell, I'll tell a little story here. So for those who don't know, I mean, I have about 100 YouTube videos that I made in Mexico. I, I lived in Mexico City for a year and traveled through the country and, you know, was making these videos to try and show people just sort of how a lot of the stereotypes about Mexico aren't true and the, the beauty that's there waiting to be found. And but over time, I wanted to make videos that were, you know, just less about my experience and more about cool things that I was finding in Mexico. So I started asking people if they know any interesting charities or interesting organizations that would be cool to feature in a YouTube video, you know, trying to find ways to use my audience to, you know, just highlight organizations doing cool stuff. And one group that got recommended to me was this group who, unfortunately, their name is escaping me right now. But essentially, it's just what you just described. It's, you know, it's, it's. Mexicans by ethnicity, but, you know, really Americans, because these are people who grew up in America, or, you know, maybe they went to America when they were 18, spent the next 20 years there, you know, got married, had a kid, and then they get deported because of their status after, you know, 20 years in Chicago or something like that. And this group, they actually assist people who are in that situation. They offer, you know, housing to people who have just been deported, And kind of try to provide a little bit of information and a little bit of assistance because, well, by the sounds of it, the Mexican government isn't doing anything for people in this situation. And as you sort of hinted at, a lot of people don't even think of this as being, they don't even understand that this is an issue. It's not something that gets talked about, you know, it's always, (laughs) it's always the Mexicans crossing the border. It's not what happens if they might have to go back, you know.
0: Right. I got it. Uh, I heard this story. I think it was from the Dallas. It's one of the big newspapers in Dallas. Uh, there's a reporter yeah. named Alfredo Cochardo who writes a lot about these Mexican-American issues. And I read a story about that and I was like, wow, that must be – that's that's ha- kind of heartbreaking too that you grow up somewhere and then you get banished. Like it, in an ideal world, you'd be, a, yeah. you'd be able to go back and forth and keep both your ties to your heritage and to the place where you'd like to live. But I've also heard that a lot of people are coming back from the us to live in Mexico because there's a little bit of development going on like obviously they' they're nowhere near the same economies they both have their problems yes but uh, there's a lot of people that uh, grow up in the u s and eventually they decide they want to go back to Mexico so there's a bit of bad things to this and a bit of good things to this story
1: yeah I mean i uh, I made I made I actually When I was in a small town called Taxco, it's a small town in uh, the state of Guerrero in Mexico. And this is one of the states that actually has, it has some problems. It has, you know, some cartel influence. It has, it's it's considered to be quite a dangerous state to be in. Uh, But there's one city called Taxco that's quite touristic. And I, I felt it was safe enough to visit. And I went there and I made some videos. And I met this guy at this gift shop uh who who spoke his english was so good i mean he spoke with a like a you know a, a, an accent from the us and so i had to ask like so, hey your english is amazing where would you learn to speak like that and he told me that he lived uh he lived like something like 18 or 20 years in just outside dallas and he worked for some you know one of those uh cubicle jobs some corporate job some big okay. company he worked for and and he said he spent like you know 20 years there and after all that time he decided to go back to Mexico. And I, I just thought that was so interesting because I just asked him, like, what made you go back? And he said, oh, the life there in the United States, it's too, everything's too fast. Everything's right. too fast over there. And he just found that moving back to this town, that all of the newspapers, all the media would tell you was dangerous. You know, don't go to Guerrero. Don't even visit this state. It's a, it's a war zone. And here's this guy who, you know, he was, quote unquote, living the dream. He was in Dallas, Texas. He decided to move back. So it makes you think, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. There's something about us here in Canada, and the U S there's something about the life we live that is just like so fast, go, go, go. And in a lot of places, especially when you go to like small towns, when you're traveling, people live such like a slower, more patient life. Yeah. Like you go to a restaurant and you're not, you shouldn't expect to get your service in and out in like 20 minutes. Like okay. It's like a family atmosphere. Uh, people are still going to treat you well. It's not like you're not going to get a good service, but everything is much more laid back. And I don't know. I like that life too. Like when, especially when I'm traveling, I like just hanging around at coffee shops and watching people. And it's not to say people aren't hustling in those countries either. Like in, when I was in Colombia, there's people that work six days a week, ten hour mm-hmm. days, and make like no money. Yep. So you get a you get a bit of appreciation for your home, and then you get a bit of an appreciation for where you're living, and you see that people live different differently and it's not a bad thing it's not a good thing it's just the way things are in those places
1: yeah i mean there's definitely you know what whatever it is that you know canada and america have that you know poorer countries don't have whatever like development whatever word you want to use for it you know you gain something the country might gain material wealth but you have to be careful about what you're losing too right like so so many people in Mexico and I I imagine it's the same in Colombia and Venezuela and, you know, all through the Americas, there's just such a strong sense of family. You know, like I was talking to Mexicans who they're like, you know, like we don't leave home. Like the idea of moving to the other side of Mexico city to go to university, that's crazy. Like you, you stay at home, like just moving across the city is crazy where in my culture, I don't know. It's a lot more accepted to, you know, you turn 18, 19. If you can afford it, you go to another city, you go to school. And then there just isn't that You, same live completely bond, you separate
0: know? lives. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking I, to my mom about that recently, actually, because my brother, my mom and I, we live in Vancouver and we're all living in separate places, yeah. paying these crazy rents. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know how much we could be saving if we all just lived in this, in like a townhouse together or something <laughs> exactly. and had like separate units or something. And like, um, I don't know, it's just the way the culture is like uh, here, you're almost expected to move out after university, uh, start a family and buy the picket fence house and all that stuff. So it's a way different ways people live. But sometimes I've thought like, what well, what it would have been like to grow up in Venezuela because my family in Venezuela is similar is similar to that. Like, if they don't live together, they live in the same areas and they get together on weekends and they do a lot more from. So sometimes I think like, what would have been like to grow up with these tight knit families? Like here, if you kind of fall on your luck or something, you have to, you have to fend for yourself almost unless you have your tight knit family to fall back on. Um, What was your experience like growing up in Canada? You said your parents taught you how to travel first. Like, what was that like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say my dad in particular, he actually worked, he, he's he's retired now, but he worked most of his life uh, for the Canadian government, for Canadian immigration. Okay. So, you know, when my dad was my age or a bit younger, in his 20s, he uh, he spent some time with that job living in England. And he also spent two years living in Haiti so if you if you can imagine haiti is still not a very developed country at this time they're still dealing with well a lot of issues and the 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 earthquake corruption, yeah, corruption <laughs> there is an epidemic you know it's it's just the normal you know as it is unfortunately in too many countries these days but yeah i mean he lived there in the i guess the 80s back when it was under a dictatorship and uh it's 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 not like he talked about that experience and said like oh you have to go out and travel but the fact that he did that and that was part of you know my family story it was always like you know maybe these countries that seem impossible to visit for some people aren't really that impossible to visit um so i mean i mean you know it's there's the way the way i see it there's a there's a scale, you know, as some people think even countries like Mexico are too dangerous to visit, you know, it's it's one of the ideas that I try to push back against in my videos is the idea that, you know, we can't visit Mexico or Colombia is another country I'd like to, I'd like to visit, I'd like to showcase I recommend some videos. It. Yeah, I'd love to go. Uh, but, but as you say, there are some countries like... I, you know, I've asked my dad about visiting Haiti now if he would recommend me going, and he straight up said no because they, they have a, you know, the problems they're dealing with Haiti is some tourists are literally getting kidnapped from the airport. So right. when you hear situations like that, you start to think, as much as I want to promote positivity and show new countries in positive lights, you also have to be realistic about the issues. Like, uh, for example, I don't know if it would be safe for me as a tourist to visit Venezuela right now. Uh, You might have some interesting thoughts on that, but based on all of the news I'm hearing, it would be quite difficult, I believe.
0: If there's one country in the world I want to go to right now, it's that country, first of all, because that's where all my family is. Right. But I'll tell you this problem I have. Um, The government a few years ago passed this law that if you're Venezuelan, to enter and leave the country, you have to have an active Venezuelan passport. Mm. I unfortunately don't have one. And even worse is that the government has made it impossible to get a passport. Like it's just, That's I've heard the, they don't the, have...
1: the Venezuelan government has made it impossible. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, like the, p- the cost of getting a passport right now is like a hundred times the monthly minimum wage. And on top of that, like you might order one, you might pay for it and it will, a year will pass and you won't get it. Like, uh, I think my dad tried to bribe somebody for one in Venezuela because we were doing this family trip to Colombia and my grandpa needed one and they couldn't get the passport. So my grandpa couldn't come on the trip.
1: Mm. And that was just like,
0: that's just like frustrating. And on the other side, like I really want to go there, but my family's constantly yelling at me. Don't go, don't go. Yeah. It's like, like things are collapsing a bit. There's lots of robberies all the time. Like if you pull out your iPhone on the street, you could die for it. Um yeah. my cousin had a business there and he just kept getting mugged and robbed <sighs> like uh extorted for money all the time and that's why he went to Colombia and I went to help him when he went to Colombia that was the first time I traveled and just like these crazy stories that you would never hear even in Colombia like Colombia's cleaned up a bit working as a reporter there I got to see the dark side of Colombia like there's still a lot of fucked up shit happening there yeah but if you stay on the major tourist areas it's become completely safe and incredibly enjoyable so you have to kind of research a bit, try to figure out what's happening with the locals. I would honestly try to avoid places that are having political conflicts, because unless you're a journalist and you can like cover your back yeah, and have like never, locals guide yeah. you through yeah. there. But I saw there's a yeah, YouTuber no, I, named, you know, Luis Lu, Luisito. Is that Luisito, his name? Like famous, I know Luis,
1: yeah, yeah, Luisito. He
0: did videos. That, he did videos in Mex in Venezuela, dude. He did like a year or two ago. And he, he, when he did the videos, it kind of opened my eyes because he's like, life is still going on here. People are still living... People still treated him amazingly. He got to see, like, the long lineups and the problems economically. But he said, like, being there, like, things are still running at an acceptable level. Like, you could get around the country if you felt like it.
1: Yeah. No, so and especially... I hear uh, the dark side. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, especially as a YouTuber, there's almost... Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a part of you that almost wants to push the boundaries and say, OK, no one else has gone to this country. I should go there. Right. Because when you right. think about I'm sure as a journalist, there's there's some similarity there. It's like, OK, here's a story no one is telling. I want to be the one to tell it, even if my own life could potentially be at risk. Um, so, right. you know, when I look at what Luisito did, I think he did it right uh, he, you know, he had a Venezuelan friend, I believe who was guiding him around a little bit, showing him some spots and exactly, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see that. But if I were to see that, those videos and say, Oh yeah, I can go to Venezuela. He did it. I can do it. You know, I might go there and first day I could get my camera mugged or robbed. And then like, next thing I know, it's just like, you know, I'm in a big mess because that that's the, that's the other thing, you know, like there's a lot of countries not just Venezuela. There's a lot of countries where it's it's not a good idea to just show more wealth and more expensive items than you have to. But as a YouTuber, I'm often holding a big expensive camera, so you gotta think about that as well. Even right. even in I mean, time... even cities like Vancouver at two in the morning it's not not a good idea to walk with a big expensive yeah, camera. Yeah, my friend out, right?
0: got mugged outside <laughs> of uh out of a nightclub downtown, dude. Like just went outside for a second and somebody stuck a knife at him. Like it can happen anywhere. So people need to realize that you got to take your precautions. You can go to a lot of different places. Like obviously maybe try to meet a local beforehand. If it's like a place that's hot, like Venezuela or haiti or something and not that i would say not that i would recommend to go to those places but you know do your research even though i try to tell a lot of people when they're going to travel i'm like don't do any research just show up <laughs> be a vagabond and figure it out from day one when you're there so well, i would say a little bit of both uh,
1: you, you do research but you know as a journalist would say like question your sources what like where is that in, where you know if everyone if people are saying this destination is dangerous are these people who live there or have actually been there or are these people just repeating the same old stereotypes that they heard from someone else they heard from someone else they heard from someone else um i'll give an example of when i was in europe you know a lot of i think most of the tourists these days still want to go to you know western europe countries like germany and france and england and italy of course spain they, they get so much tourism and then countries in eastern europe like You know, Slovakia, Serbia, Bosnia. They don't get as much tourism. And I kept hearing from people, you know, be careful over there. You know, for example in Bosnia, you're still gonna see bullet holes from the Civil War that was whatever it was twenty years ago or so. And they kept saying, you know, be careful, it's not the same as Western Europe. But when I went over there, I mean, the people were cool, I never had any safety issues whatsoever. I felt just as safe, you know, you know, beautiful, happy people walking around all the all the you know, all over the streets. And you you just start to think, like, are these countries actually dangerous? Or did that idea people had in the 90s just stick around for a couple of decades, you know? Because sometimes it's so hard to re-examine the way we think about countries. And, for example, Colombia, people probably still think of, you know, how bad it was at the height of the drug wars.
0: Right, exactly. And you know what's funny? Like, um, I have a bunch of family friends who are from Mexico And whenever, when I brought up the idea last year that I wanted to backpack across Mexico, uh, my mom told her friends who are Mexican and they relayed to me that, no, you shouldn't do that. It is terribly dangerous. Like a lot of people Mm. emigrate to like a Western country and then they don't travel back to their country that much. And maybe they get trapped into the news cycle of hearing about cartels and hearing about all this stuff. But I met a lot of travelers who backpacked across Mexico and they were like, dude, they was my favorite country in the world. Like you should hundred percent do it. I'm not saying like, I'm not going to take any precautions. That I'm going to walk around with a gold chain and my iPhone out all the time, but it's doable. Like just because mm-hmm. like Mexico is such a big country. Like I would bet it's almost yeah. the size of Western oh, yeah.
1: Europe. Yep. No, I I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I feel, I could talk for ages about Mexico and how much I love that country and the people and you know, good weather, good food, good people. That's that's a combination that's gonna make anywhere awesome to travel. You know,
0: right? I'm definitely gonna do it. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, this is a funny question to me. Do you feel like you've with your YouTube success? do you feel like you've unlocked like the ultra nomadic lifestyle that you could just be anywhere in the world? (laughs) and You don't have to worry about like the financials. Cause like the way I was doing my long-term travel, I would come back to Vancouver. I would work so hard for six months and penny and pocket all the money I could and go there. But I haven't figured out how to survive and stay in Colombia. Like I wanted to stay there as a journalist, but eventually I ran out of money and I was like self funding my own work. It's very hard to sell articles right now. Like, if you sell a story, you might get like a hundred to three hundred bucks, and it'll take you like a month to report a story. So, what how a, do you feel? How do you feel about like this lifestyle that you have?
1: Yeah, I would say that, you know, I'm. It's an interesting question, and it's something I think about a lot myself because I feel like I'm not where I would like to be. Like, I I, I haven't fully succeeded yet. Because to be where I would like to be would be, I would be able to travel and make content about any country I want. And I wouldn't necessarily have to think, you know, where is, where is my dollar go the furthest, you know?
0: Because let's be
1: honest, like when you travel, if you want to, any long-term traveler will tell you the number one priority for a lot of us is, you know, what's the cost of living like? Exactly. There's actually a we- there's actually a website, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called uh Nomad List.
0: nomadlist.com.
1: And basically it's talking about like where are the best places to be a digital nomad, you know, to work online and to travel and it kind of weighs different cities by different metrics. But cost of living is always one of the first ones, you know, how much can you afford to do while you're there. Um, you might notice i don't have any videos recently from places like iceland or norway or you know <laughs> some of the very expensive countries in uh
0: right in Scandinavia are stuff. And,
1: well you know it's like i could go wild in iceland for two weeks or i could have a blast in mexico city for you know two or three months for the same budget you know so right i do feel fortunate like very very fortunate that YouTube has allowed me to, you know, sustain my travels. But I'm always growing and I'm always trying to, you know, hit the next level. Um, Unfortunately, the business model for being a YouTuber is, well, like so many things, it's, you know, (laughs) corrupted by advertising. So I would say the people who really want to make good money off YouTube are the ones who are pushing very heavy into sponsorships. Um, I would say people who do like tech reviews or, you know, beauty channels or something where it's like you can constantly be selling people the newest product, the newest service. Those people can start to make some serious cash because they have the brands behind them paying them to do this stuff. Right. For me, I definitely could, you know, integrate more travel sponsorships into my work. But I always feel that, well, I've seen other channels that have done too much of that and they start to lose their soul. You know, it's like a newspaper that's doing too many, you know, sponsored content articles and stuff like that. It's like the, the fact that I have, you know, this many people, tens of thousands of people who have decided to follow this journey and, you know, care when I, when I say something in a video, it's, 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 it's a great thing, but it's, 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 you know, I don't want to take that for granted. And I don't want to just try and cash out and try and, you know, use that audience to sell them something. I want to really, you know, promote a positive message and, you know, think long term about this.
0: Honestly, so, I think you're doing the right thing. I think you have to, first of all, like be yourself and like people can feel that. Like when I see content <clears throat> and I start seeing it drifting away from like what this person used to be like, yep. like you kind of lose that connection with the person. Yeah. I mean, uh, and
1: and it's tough because, you know, everyone's got to pay the bills and, you know, travel travel can be cheap. But, uh, you know, for example, the past few months, I I just actually finished a trip to India, um, an Asia trip where I spent some time in South Korea and then I went to Thailand and then I went to India and now I came home. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm not living in Vancouver right now, I'm actually talking to you from Montreal right now, is that, you know rent in vancouver is not cheap as you know insane dude and, and, yeah insane and, and, and since i'm bouncing around and stuff there's no you know me and my girlfriend we took a serious look at the prices in vancouver and we're like you know do we really want to do this right now or should we try a new city montreal is a place we were both interested in visiting or interested in living for some time and you know the the rent is you know less than half the price of vancouver so that's, that was a big factor for us. So I would say I'm, you know, I'm riding the wave and I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing, but you know, f- finances are something that's tough for me. It's tough for everyone. So I definitely don't have all okay. the answers about that.
0: Yeah. Uh, here's another thing I was curious about when yeah. you're traveling constantly. Um, do you ever feel like, this is what I felt when I was traveling, I would start somewhere and I would move somewhere once I got to know people in that area, it felt like I would be really tight with the same people for two or three weeks. And then we all went our separate ways. Like how do you deal when you're constantly moving from country to country and traveling mm. with like that lack of connection with people suddenly, or like sometimes I would just get homesick and miss my family and friends right now. Cause I've been in Vancouver for almost a year again. I'm feeling homesick for the road <laughs> yep. The road. It wants to be my home again. But how do you deal with that? Because I went on Reddit actually to see like what life's um, I Googled this exact question on Reddit and a lot of people that said that they were like lifetime travelers. They said that you almost get addicted to being on the road all the time, but at the same time, it's hard to maintain that sense of community. And I know you're building a community online as well through your YouTube. And I saw you have a Facebook travel group that you're building as well. So maybe talk about those two things.
1: No, it's a great question. I mean, from your own experience, do you stay in, you're taught, you're, you You're mentioned you you might hang out with people for a couple of weeks and then they split off. Like, are you staying at hostels or?
0: I do both. Like yeah. when I'm on the road a lot, I do hostels, but uh, I stayed in Medellin for like three months doing an internship and I got to know like all my nice. neighbors, the guy who sold me beer, the guy who sold me cigarettes, <laughs> the gym I went to, um, a bunch of locals. And then when I'm on the road a lot, then you get a lot of people from um, the travelers from Europe and whatnot that are in and out of your life because you're traveling and they're traveling in one direction. I'm going in the other direction and you follow them on Facebook, but then you may never see each other again. Like sometimes I reach out to them when I see their posts and stuff, but I have no idea if I'll ever see any of these people again. And you know... And then you miss your people at home as well. So like right. sometimes I feel disconnected from the people I grew up with or my friends from university. Cause I was in and out of Vancouver all the time.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I just had a, I just recently had a family reunion and kind of got to see some family members, aunts and uncles and cousins who I hadn't seen now for, I mean, we hadn't all been together as a group for, you know, five or six years now. And the, the, the biggest reason for me is because I've spent so much time out of Canada, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough. And moments like that definitely remind you that, you know, everything in life has a trade-off. Um, right. It might look like a life of travel is just kind of like, especially in this sort of fake social media world that we're living in. It looks like you're just constantly you know living epic moments and everyone else working desk jobs and stuff is kind of like missing out right
0: i was at a desk job watching the <laughs> videos so i know what that feels like
1: yeah i mean that's that's so much of creating travel content is is about that and i've tried to be honest in some of my videos and talk about you know the other side of things which is and it's it's actually something i should talk about more going forward because i think that's the big awakening that people need to make about the whole long-term travel scene it's it's that you know there are pros and cons to this and you know as much as people want to push the, the obviously like amazing sides of it of traveling and you know having all these great experiences there is something else that you start to lose um i guess for me the trade-off has has become you know as you, you said yourself you know traveling slower Spending more time in one place, Mexico right. City for me has become yeah, as I mentioned I spent a year in mexico city it's it's become a home away from home it's a place that I do plan to be living in in the future as well um, and and you know i I don't feel the need to be you know just constantly visiting new countries for the sake of visiting new countries because The more you travel, the more you realize, you know, you will never be everywhere. Um, When when I was younger, I used to think, you know, sooner or later, I want to travel to every country, I want to go everywhere. But even if I finally traveled to every country, you never visit every state, you never visit every town, you know what I mean? Like, you're always making decisions as a traveler and a backpacker. Should I go this way? Or should I go that way? Should I go to this place I wanted to go? Or should I go to this place that these new friends I just met want to go? Um, I think especially if you're like a solo backpacker, if you've done stuff like that yourself, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You're constantly thinking to yourself, "Never follow the guides." Yeah, exactly. Like it's just the whole (laughs) world is at your fingertips. It's just, it's just what do you deep down want to do? Um, and I guess I've sort of drifted away from your question here, but I, I do think that it's important to, you know, to have to have friends, to have a community, as you you said. And I think it's something that, you know, every traveler will, it's probably inevitable. You know, all of us will sort of not be thinking too much about that at first because when you start traveling, you know, you have your friends, you have your family, you have everything. But then when you travel more and more and more, it's then that you start to, like, think about the things you've left behind, you know?
0: exactly yeah i got a bit homesick after usually after like the two month mark i was still engaged in what i was doing and the people i was with but then you start fantasizing like right now i'm in vancouver and i'm like okay it's gotten lame again but (laughs) i remember just being in columbia after a few months just like fantasizing about riding my bike across the city and the air here like the air in vancouver is so nice compared to a lot of places that are super polluted so you start fantasizing and it's just like a it's not real. Like it's just your mind going out there, but it just happens after being away from different places. And right now, like I'm fantasizing about being in Colombia or going to Mexico and all that stuff. It's just what happens naturally when you get used to the place you're in. And
1: what I've started to think about, it's funny because the city I I just arrived in Montreal, uh, I've only been here about a week and a half, but you know, Montreal is famous for, for bagels. So I just got these, like, fresh Montreal bagels. I got, you know, six fresh bagels. And when I had my first bite, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, like, I could never get something like this in Mexico City or, you know, some of the other places like Vietnam where I've lived. But at the same time, I could never have the street tacos al pastor like I could have in Mexico City here. Or I could never have the same soup that I could have in Vietnam in Montreal or Mexico City. So it's like the more you travel, the more you start to realize, like, Like, oh, I wish I could have one place in the world where I could have all these amazing experiences, all these amazing foods, all (laughs) my friends. But it's in your imagination. It will never happen.
0: So I I guess you
1: just have to, you know, make the most of the experience you're having and try not to think too much about what you're missing out on.
0: Yeah, we need to learn to be a little more present and not lose ourselves. Maybe some mindfulness, some
1: meditation. Easier said than done.
0: (laughs) I know, I know. I'm a... I lose my mind all the time over things, just a constant thinker. Um, One last question I wanted to ask you. Sure. Was I saw on your vlog that you were thinking of maybe stopping the vlogging and trying new things. Like, have you ever thought of making new types of content that aren't like speaking into a camera or filming where you are? Because you have the skill set now. Like, you obviously know how to edit, you know yeah. how to film, you know how to use equipment. Is there anything that, like, sparks your imagination, like, oh, maybe I should try that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to make a proper documentary film. Uh, it's it's something that, even when I make some of my YouTube videos, I, I do think of myself as, you know, documenting what's happening. I, I am trying to take that approach of sort of a documentary right. filmmaker It's just that within the confines of YouTube, you know, you're always, well, let's just say YouTube incentivizes quantity over quality. You know, it incentivizes you to keep making videos, keep making videos, keep making videos because, well, first of all, you have an audience waiting for new content and also you're getting paid based on the ads before the videos. So more videos means more views means, you know, you're, you're getting paid better and stuff like that. So, I have been thinking about, and sooner or later, I will put more time into this, uh, creating videos off of YouTube where I can actually spend one or two months or potentially even a year making one video that, you know, I can look back on 10 years from now and really be proud of, you know?
0: Right. You almost have to juggle like, I don't know, I guess if you keep working on things, you know, you can probably keep doing your... I don't know. We'll see. You got to experiment. Like you could do your regular vlogging and then keep building on that long feature film or something. Yeah. Or maybe you might need to find a community of other filmmakers who can help you. Like how often when you do your work, are you doing it by yourself or are you collaborating with other people?
1: Yeah. Good question. Uh, It's, it's almost always independent and you know, you, you guessed it. That's another thing I would like to do more of because, you know, as you say, even, even, even though I have a community of viewers and stuff, it's not the same as actually having, you know, other filmmakers to collaborate on a project with. Like that's something fundamentally different. And, right. you know, I think for the people who are watching YouTube, it's like, oh, look at this guy who's making these videos and stuff. Like we're all in this together. But the reality of editing videos is quite a like solitary work. You know, it's as many hours in front of the computer on your own, just like putting in the work, a lot like writing, you know. Right. So I think like to to become more of a a member of a creative community and find other people not just YouTubers but other, you know, creatives of all different sorts and learning from them. That's that's definitely the direction I want to move in.
0: Cool. If you ever come back to Vancouver, I have a few friends like scattered across the film industry. I can connect to you if you feel like it. (laughs) Thanks,
1: man. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mentioned before, Mexico City is a home away from home. And Vancouver is definitely one of my homes as well because, yeah, I got a real love for that place. And I will definitely be back sooner or later.
0: Yeah, especially right now, the weather's nice. The winter was brutal, just rainy and depressing. But (laughs) yeah, I'd like to set up two sides of Vancouver. Yeah, I'd like to set up the life where I can live here during the summer and be abroad during the winter. That's my dream. That's the dream, man. I kind of lived it for a bit. I lived it for a bit. This winter, I actually stayed and I was just like, what am I doing, dude? I should have kept living the dream I already had.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, that rain can start to get to you after a while.
0: Yeah, dude, you get trapped inside and then trapped in your own mind, and it's, <laughs> it's better to be out in the world.
1: You know, i I grew up in okay. uh, I grew up in Winnipeg, you right in the middle up- of Canada, where like the winters are so brutal. Like we get to like minus thirty five, minus forty Celsius every winter. And um, yeah, my girlfriend, she said, you know, this is like this is a good city to be a writer because you got nothing to do outside. You just, you just put yourself in front of the desk and put the work in, you know? Right. If you're, if you're in a city like Los Angeles and it's always beautiful out, there's always the beach down the street. How do you get anything done?
0: Right. You need to almost force (laughs) solitary moment if you want to be a creator like that. That's true. Actually, especially here in the summer, I get trapped outside too much. And luckily, luckily I've got this, I can do these podcasts over the internet now. Yeah. Thanks for letting me test this out. Actually, this is no awesome. worries,
1: man. Before, before we wrap up here, I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask yep. you like, what are, are you up to any interesting projects these days? Like I know you're working as a journalist. What are you up to now?
0: Um, right now I'm working a labor job to fund my stuff. Yep. And I'm trying to do the podcast in the evenings. I've got a bunch of guests coming up, just people I find interesting on Twitter Here's a skill you should, if you want to start collaborating with people, start DMing people, dude. People will respond. Like, I'll just sit down sometimes and I'm reading Twitter and I think that person's interesting. I just start sending them DMs. (laughs) The last office job I got, I got it because I started DMing the CEO. I got into journalism in Colombia because I started DMing all the journalists when I was there. People will receive you. People are interested in people that are interested in their work. So that's like a life skill I try to tell everybody, like, just reach out. So right now I'm trying to do some podcasts in person with people who are in Vancouver, and then doing podcasts like this over the internet. Something I hadn't tried, and hey, it worked. I reached out to you; you were very welcoming. I really appreciate you for doing this. No, and no worries,
1: man. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know what other podcasts you listen to, but one you might know, Matt Diavella. Yeah. Yeah. He's another yeah. YouTube personality. He's a great example. Yeah, I watched- I, I've been watching his podcast or I, I guess listening to his podcast for a while now. And, you know, he started with just his friends and a bunch of guests I'd never heard of. And suddenly he's got, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and like some real big names. Yeah, I and I'm like, well, look at I this guy, man. One. You just, you just, you just start and it just develops into something new. And I'm sure that will happen with you as well. You'll just keep getting bigger and bigger guests and then one day you'll be like yeah i'm not even i'm like, not doing it for, for the guy? fame
0: <laughs> i'm not doing it for the fame or the money i actually genuinely enjoy just reaching out to people who are doing yep. interesting shit and talking to them like it's just so cool to see what people are doing. And then when they actually accept a conversation with you, I'm like, you can do that now. Like, I don't have to send out a, a pigeon or something or I have to know somebody like I can just reach out to you and you're going to listen. Now, and we're going to have a conversation like that. That's is awesome. your
1: is your microphone something travel friendly? Because I've been thinking of doing oh, a podcast myself. Dude. So if I, if if you send me the info on your microphone, that's something I could travel with and just wherever I want to record a podcast.
0: Yeah, if anybody's interested, this microphone actually plugs into your USB on your computer. It's an Audio-Technica ATR2100. I believe I paid around $50 Canadian, which is like 35 US. Then when I do podcasts in person, I have a Zoom H6. That was expensive. Nice. That was like $500 plus all the other mics. Like total, my podcast gear was around $800 Canadian dollars which is affordable, and I went high-end. But I thought about it for a while. I saved for it. I did a lot of research. and But honestly, if, you wanted, if anybody wanted to do a podcast over the internet, all you would need is this mic. And right now we're recording on Zencaster on a freemium model where I get eight hours for free. So if you wanted to start a minimal viable podcast, all you need is this Audio-Technica ATR2100 USB mic and a laptop and start sending DMs to people. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> good stuff man well this has been fun thanks for having me yeah, on dude,
0: i'll reach out to you i'll keep watching your videos and yeah let's keep in touch if you're up to any cool stuff if you come back to vancouver we could do one in person like those are cool too
1: yeah and i i definitely hope that you uh get a chance to visit venezuela again i mean it's it's maybe not in the next year or two but it's definitely a country i'd love to visit myself because you know uh f- all my, I mean, I, yeah, you know, I haven't even been to South America yet, but it's definitely like the chance to visit Colombia and Peru and Venezuela and all these places. It's, it's the big next step for me. So, yeah, I can't yeah, wait to spend hi- some time down there.
0: It's so awesome down there. And I want to go to Mexico. I haven't gone to Asia yet either. I have to start planning for the winter because I'm going to enjoy the summer here and I'm going to fly off somewhere. I haven't decided where. But I'll watch your videos and see if something sticks in my head usually right before the winter, like a virus gets in my head and I become obsessed with somewhere and that's
1: go <laughs> cool, man, well, I can't wait to see what the next virus will be,
0: yeah, yeah, try to people follow your mental viruses like it's usually telling you the truth <laughs> do what makes you happy again, thanks for doing this. um where can people find you by the way yeah, so online the
1: easiest way would be just to. Type in YouTube the new travel, uh, you know the new travels by my YouTube channel. It's also a Facebook community. Uh, you know I've got a Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. But uh, I've been trying to limit my social media usage. You go crazy if you try to stay active on all of them. So
0: me too, dude. Mostly I've tried I do YouTube and
1: it. yeah, a little bit of Instagram, but. Facebook's turning into a bit of a ghost town. I don't use it as much these
0: days. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Too much. Too many people fighting. Even I love Twitter because of my journalism thinking, but even Twitter sometimes makes me sick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel you, man. Okay, well, this has been fun. Thanks again for having me on.
0: Awesome, dude. Appreciate it. Everybody, go travel this winter or go travel right now. Go see the world. It's honestly one of the most life-changing experiences. And if you want some ideas, check out the new travel.
1: Thanks again, bro. Peace. See ya.